Welcome to the Sharp 600, brought to you by Covers.com. I'm Rob Cressy, and I'm super excited to be jamming with you. And joining me to talk about the Belmont Stakes is Scott Shapiro, analyst at Twin Spires and Churchill Downs. You can follow him on Twitter, at ScottShap34. Scott, great to have you back on the show. Yeah, Rob, it's been a little while. We got to talk a lot of football last season. We got to talk a little bit of horse racing uh, when the pandemic started and you were looking to get some uh, advice for beginners, but uh, great to see you. Glad you made it back to Chicago and uh, looking forward to jamming on some Belmont. And I am looking forward to jamming about some Belmont because every time there is anything that is a shred of live sports, especially on the weekend, hallelujah. Sign me up because <laughs> I am ready to bet on something. But also, there lies both the opportunity and the thing that we need to um, be careful of. Because we're all so quick with our trigger finger, finger with the Belmont or UFC or any of these other things that we have been betting, we need to make sure that we are informed betters and that we do this right and don't just throw money down the tubes. So that's why you're on today, Scott. And what's unique about this is the, the order of the horse racing. Traditionally, we're used to the Kentucky Derby. Bum, bum, bum. Everyone's really excited about this, but all of a sudden, it's like the Belmont, and people aren't accustomed to this. And the track is going from one and a half miles down to one and an eighth mile, and they're calling it Test of the Champion. So first off, what challenge or difference does this shorter length make? Well, it's very different, and it's very unique to call the Belmont Stakes the first leg of the Triple Crown. Usually my company's Kentucky Derby starts things out. There's a lot of unknowns when that happens, when these horses stretch out to that mile and a quarter distance. This is a little bit different. It's uh, still going to be a Triple Crown race, but the mile and an eighth is a one-turn event, which is kind of a combination of sprint and stamina, so speed and stamina, whereas that mile and a half is the, about as far as these horses will ever run. So it's, that's more of a, just a straight endurance test. Think of it as a marathon versus, you know, a shorter race. It's a little bit hard to put in human terms. but So it's going to be a different kind of horse that would be in this race as it would be if it was the third leg of the Triple Crown. Now there's always going to be a crossover. And the other difference is a lot of people think of the Belmont Stakes as when, okay, American Pharaoh and Justify and Smarty Jones and these horses had a chance to win the Triple Crown. Now it starts things off. So now we say, well, can a horse like Tis the Law be the next Triple Crown winner? Well, the show starts here, Rob. All right. So you mentioned Tis the Law. Who is the favorite at six to five? And I saw Patrick Everson did an article on covers that mentioned that Tis the Law opened up at plus 195. So talk to us a little bit about this because for the casual better, uh, we would look at it and say, oh, the favorite. That's something that we would traditionally like to bet on. And here's some stats for this. 42% of the favorites have won the Belmont. That's 63 out of 151. So even just knowing that, plus our propensity to want to bet the favorites and probably not knowing a ton else about the if we don't bet the favorites, because guess what all the noise is going to be? Here's the favorite. Here's the favorite. Can they win the Triple Crown? And we haven't seen it yet. And even though Tis the Law has ran good up to this, talk to us a little bit about Tis the Law and how we need to be thinking about betting this horse. 
Well, the first thing to think about is the favorite stat that you have. Now, normally we've sorted ourselves through the three-year-old crop. We've got the Kentucky Derby and we've got the Preakness. A lot of the horses that tried that maybe were outsiders or we thought maybe had upside are no longer racing when we get to the Belmont. So their form basically of these horses, we kind of know what we're looking at. So it's easier for the public to get it right. So that would be one thing just to keep in mind. Now, that's not to say I'm against Tis the Law here. And when you're assessing a horse like Tis the Law, the first thing you want to do is figure out how the pace of the race is going to go and where, that, where the favorite fits in. So I don't want to get too in the weeds here, but Tis the Law is a horse that kind of likes to sit just off the leaders. And this, where he draws, he draws towards the outside, which is a beneficial post for a horse of his style. He should be in the clear. He should get free run. But Tis the Law has done very little wrong, Rob. He's won four or five races. The one race he lost was in the slop here in Louisville at Churchill Downs, and he got in a little bit of traffic. So he's a hard horse to want to bet against. Now, I don't think we're going to even get six to five on him from a win end perspective. From a, from a person that thinks Tis the Law is going to win the race, I'll be looking to bet him on top of exactas and trifectas as opposed to betting him the win. A lot of times I like to take on the favorite, Rob, but I'm not willing to do so with Tis the Law. Hold up. From our friends at Covers Experts, here's an exclusive offer for the Sharp 600 listeners only. Get 25% off any Covers Experts product when you use promo code SHARP25. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Save a little money and follow the pros all the way to the bank. Again, that's SHARP25 for 25% off any product. Woo! All right, let's talk about post position then. So here's some stats. The most winners in Belmont came out of the number one gate, uh, 23 of them. What position is the most advantageous, even though we know the history, does this really matter in the grand scheme of things? I think... I don't think it, I think it all comes down to the horse. Okay. And it also comes down. Remember now the mile and a half, the normal Belmont is a two turn race. So they run into the first turn being inside can keep you from being wide. So those statistics matter in a long one turn race. They have a long straightaway before they get going. So being outside, there's no real ground loss there. There's plenty of time to get inside. When it comes to a horse like tis the law though, I think an outside post position is better. He's not a, true speed horse where he's going to be sent right to the lead An outside post allows his jockey to kind of look to the inside, see where the other horses are. He's got a lot of what we call tactical speed, which kind of allows his jockey to kind of put him where he wants to. You can think of it that way. And by being outside of most of his rivals, it allows him to kind of find a comfortable spot. He'll stay in the clear and then he'll have free run when they kind of make the real, the real running starts midway through the race until the stretch. As a generality, why do favorites not win? Well, I mean, a lot of, I guess when it comes to the, uh, when it comes to racing, they win about 30% of the time. Now the Belmont statue should win more. One reason they don't win is because of the traffic, traffic issues, things, you know, that are just, it's not, it's not as easy as a hundred meter dash, let's say, where it's just, let's get the fastest horse to run from straight start to finish, you know, you see Usain Bolt pretty much churn out win after win. Um, horses are not robots, you know, that some of them have bad days. Some of them, you know, they might get uh, riled up before the race. So the favorites in many cases just might not be on their A game. And then we talked about the, you know, analyzing the pace of the race. Sometimes if a horse is the favorite, 
you know, he, you might, the, the public might think he's going to be uh, on the lead and then there might be other horses that press him and tire him. Or he could be a horse that comes from the back and normally he gets a clear run, but there's issues to keep him from getting that clear run. So if you can, find, if you can pick winners at a 30% clip, you're doing something special as a handicapper and that just tells you how tr tricky it is to pick winners even if you're picking favorites. All right, so now let's look on the inverse at the long shots and what we want to think about here. So um, we have one long shot jungle runner at 50 to one. We've got 30 to one, three that are at 15 to one, Farmington Road, Modernist, and Max Player. So how should we assess the long shots? Because it's a very sexy thing. And we even talked about this last week on our golf episode with futures tickets. There's a lot of people getting tons of value. And Jordan Spieth was a great example. Someone where, boom, let's get Jordan Spieth to win this whole thing. You're feeling good the whole time. <laughs> and then at the end, he doesn't win. And you're like, I have a losing ticket. And that can oftentimes be the case with these long shots. Just like you said, you might get the guy who's 50 to one who goes, boom, I'm just going to burn myself out here. And everyone's like, oh my God, he's going to hit. And then all of a sudden he fades at the end and they're like, oh my God, we were so close. When in actuality, he was never in it because that was what's <laughs> supposed to happen. Right, right. Well, a horse like Jungle Runner at 50 to one in a 10 horse field, that tells you all you need to know. There rarely would be a 50 to one. This horse is just slower than everybody else. He's beaten two horses in his last three races. He's hopeless. If he, if he runs in the top three, it would be shocking. If he won the race, it would be one of the biggest upsets in Triple Crown history. You look at the 31 shot, the four left, he kind of fits that profile you just spoke of. He's a horse that you're going to get a little bit of a rush over. He's going to be up front. He's, he should be sitting first or second unless he breaks poorly. He's got an outside chance, but he's not a horse that I'm excited about. When you look at the 15 to ones, these are horses now that you can start to begin to make a case for, at least if Tis the Law for some reason doesn't run his race, um, that maybe they can you know, be the horse to spring the upset. If not, maybe they can be the horse to finish second and complete the exact up. Of the three, Max player interests me most. He's a horse that's been steadily improving. We don't really know what we've got yet. He's a young horse. So I think he's a little bit interesting. Um, but those horses are their odds for a reason, Rob. And they need, you know, it's one of those situations where, you know, if they ran the race 100 times, they probably would only win it a few. And I don't know if that'll happen on Saturday. Scott, when we talked about on our previous episode, which was more evergreen and how to bet horse racing. I'm someone who I like the five to one, six to one values that are out there. We got Dr. Post five to one, pneumatic six to one, Tabit to win six to one. Because if I'm going to say, let me go with the non-favorite, boom, let me go there. So what are your thoughts about them? And or is there any issue with knowing when you're going to bet them because if you're taking the same mindset that i would have in like others cool we're not going to bet the favorite well who's second third or fourth well guess what those odds are going to get um bet up because of the public having that same mindset yeah i mean i think that's the sweet spot and i think as a general rule uh, if you're playing these races a couple times a year, like a triple crown player, you probably aren't going to make a living betting the favorites to win. We talked about the percentage they win at. If it was that easy, everybody would just bet the favorite and be on their way. So plus hitting a six, eight to one shot is a lot more fun than hitting an even money shot. You're really in it for the entertainment uh, of those three horses. And, and I actually like to live in that zone as well. So I would recommend 
doing that is, you know, if you're playing these races. I don't like Dr. Post. He comes in off of just three races, and I'm not sure the quality of the fields he beat. He's five to one. He might go off the second choice. Uh, the one that I like the most out of those is Pneumatic. Now, it's going to take a lot to beat Tis the Law, but for Pneumatic to ship in from Kentucky after just a, 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 a race, I guess it was almost a month ago, but Steve Asmussen, one of the best trainers in the game, this is a horse that I think has a lot of upside. He's faced solid fields in his three races, and the horse that he lost to last time was Maxfield, who was one of the favorites for the Kentucky Derby and the Bel if he ran in the Belmont Stakes until he uh, is now out with a uh, fracture of his leg. But Pneumatic is the horse that I would be most interested in in that zone. I think he's got the upside. I like the outside post, which we'll be talking about a little bit with Tis the Law. So that's a good zone, though, to uh, key in on, Rob. You get a lot of bang for your buck, and you're not betting horses that are hopeless. All right, so what I want to talk about now is the – if we want to go big and if we want lower risk, because we've got two different types of betters. We got the action junkies who just say, you know what? I just want to win. Boom. Give me this. We have the others who say, let's go and do this. But at the same time, I don't want you just throwing money down on jungle runner being like, Oh, I'm so risky here. Like let's take informed risk. So let's start with this. If we wanted to, add more elements of risk to what we're doing but in a more informed way so i'm guessing that would be we're not going to be on tis the law but what would a little bit more calculated risk but informed look like in terms of how we might want to bet this well i would actually say from my handicapping perspective speaking to what you're saying that we would want to play exactas or trifectas um, which are picking obviously the winner of the race or maybe not obvious, I should say, but picking the winner of the race, the second place finisher, and the third place finisher. And I think Tis Duval is a likely enough winner here. And you know me, I'm not a big favorite guy, but that I want to key him on first where he's going to need to win the race and, and look to find the value, take the risk for second or second and third with horses like Pneumatic, horses like Max Player. So this horse, Tis the Law has to win, and maybe Pneumatic or T Max Player has to run second. We call this an exacta wheel. Tis the Law over Max Player and Pneumatic, and you're going to get significantly more money. Obviously, it's a little, it's more risk, but you need Tis the Law to win and one of them to finish second. If you want to make it even riskier, you, you, need, you play a trifecta. You need those horses behind Max Player and Pneumatic to finish second or third. So I don't know if that's exactly the risk or if you want to even get a little riskier. No, it makes sense. Just to clarify, can you tell us the difference between a wheel and boxing? Yeah, a wheel would be, or a key, a key or wheel would be when you need a certain horse to finish in a certain spot. And that's what I think that would, an informed way to take a risk here is using Tis the Law. You can't, if you start playing Tis the Law in boxes, which would mean you have him first or second, either combination, you're really hurting the value of a horse that's already that low. So boxing is when you have, so let's say we play a one, two, three, exact a box. If it comes in one, two, one, three, or two, one, three, one, three, two, all those combinations hit, but you're throwing away a lot of the, the value, a lot of your money because you can't hit all of those combinations. Now, if you put X dollars that you're going to put into a box, into a wheel where it says the law has to win and one of those two have to finish second or third, then you're getting more bang for your buck and have a chance to use that money to maybe hit it multiple times 
Yeah, it makes sense. And I wanted that clarification because it's an, it's an important one because you don't want to be having to bet that tis the law gets second or second or third if we believe that this is a horse that has a good opportunity to win. Now let's go on to the flip side. We want to play it safe. You know what? I want to have fun on Saturday. I want this to be low stress and nice and easy. What is the best way for us to do this? Is this going to be just take Tis the Law to win and we get uh, a not that good payout? Or sort of how can we do this in a smart yet less risky way? Well, it depends what you're willing to accept as a, a enjoyable yet profitable experience. I'm expecting Tis the Law to go off at about three to five, which would mean if you bet two dollars to win, you get three twenty back, so you make one twenty. Now, you know if you're used to betting favorites in baseball on the money line or favorites in football on the money line, then that's acceptable for you, and you can have a good day. And you bet X dollars your budget on Tis the Law, and you make sixty percent, and you're on your way. And you know that might not be for everybody. There's another way you could go about it. You could pick a horse that you think is going to finish in the top three and bet to show. Now, my problem with promoting a show bet is, A, it's not a winning procedure in the long run, a winning strategy. And B, if Tis the Law finishes in the top third, even with your horse, it's going to have to do its damage on your payout. So to me, in this situation, in this specific race, the conservative way to bet this race and is to just bet Tis the Law to win. Now, is he a lock to win? No, is he as close to a lock as a three to five shot in a Belmont stakes type race? He might be, Rob. And so that would be my recommendation for this specific instance. If the bet is available, is there value in betting tis the law to win the triple crown? That's a good question. And I, you know, I, at the current price, probably not to me because we've seen what we see is these horses struggle to, to, to stay healthy throughout the process. So you have to win this race. Normally the Triple Crown is in a five-week period. Now, if Tisdala wins this race, not only are you counting on him being good enough to win here in Kentucky in September and then in Baltimore in the Preakness in October, but you're counting on him not having any issues in training. That's a big if. We've seen a number of the top contenders in this three-year-old crop go down to injury when we were excited about him. So that's why I wouldn't, but he definitely looks like a talented horse that has the physical abilities to get, the, get that job done. Another question for you about the wheel. So let's say, which I'm going to do, I'm going to do tis the law in a wheel. But at what point do we add too many horses to this? So, for example, uh, tap it to win at six to one and pneumatic at six to one and Dr. Post at five to one in these lower odds thing that three to five is not good at all. Uh, obviously if one of the higher odds horses gets second, that's good. But what, how should we be thinking about it? So I don't just stack five horses to get second place because will that just ruin all of my profits? Yes, that's a great question. When you're looking at a favorite like Tis the Law, you want to limit the horses in the back unless you're using multiple horses that are in the 15 to 1 range. Uh, there is a way to look at what these are paying at the time. If, you're, uh, if you go on to your uh, wherever you're wagering or go uh, 
Twin Spires, for instance. Uh, you can look at the probable exacta pays. They do change as bets come in if this is something that you're into doing, you know. But overall, generally speaking, if you're keying a top horse or wheeling a top horse like Tis the Law at a low price on top, you want to keep it to a couple horses in the back end there. Because if not, once again, you don't want to make bets that limit your ability to profit. And that would be just what you're doing. When is a good time for us to place these bets in general, knowing that horse racing is different because I'm not going to get the Patriots minus six and a half. Boom. I'm locked in here where all of a sudden it can change as action changes. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that you risk on a day like this is this doesn't happen at twin spires, but it might happen other places if you're using them, but uh, your risk, you know, obviously as it gets close to these big races, there's a lot of people online. So uh, that would be your only risk, but I recommend waiting as long as possible because you're going to get a truer idea of what your payouts are going to be. And on a big day like this, unlike a regular race day, there is a lot of money in the pools considerably ahead. So maybe 30 or 20 minutes ahead. Sure, if you have to go out and do something else with the family or whatever you might be doing these days, um, that's fine to, to go ahead and put your bet in early. But if you're really trying to figure out what you're going to get paid, that you're going to want to kind of wait as long as possible so you can keep up with the odds. I like that. So Scott, let's leave us with a pick. I'm actually going to take what you just said for us and I'm going to do tis the law in a wheel with pneumatic in max player. Yeah. I mean, I hate to give out a favorite like this. You know, everybody could do that, but uh, sometimes you just got to take what the race gives you, Rob. So tis the law is the top pick. I like pneumatics upside. He's the horse I think has the most upside in the race and the best chance to finish second in here. And Max Players listed at 15 to 1. I expect him to be every bit of that or more. I'm going to pick him for third. So I'm going to play it just like we spoke about. Tis the law over Max Player and Pneumatic in the exactas. Just thought of one last question for you. Sure. Is there a late value? So let's say one of these horses was – let's say it's second, third, or fourth originally in odds, but then all these other horses get bet down where all of a sudden this, um, let's say it's even Max Player. Everybody else likes Modernist instead. And all of a sudden he goes off at a higher number where value presents itself. How do you think about things like that where do you take a calculated risk because of an odds of something like value presents itself? Yeah, absolutely. Watching the tote board is very important. And, you know, as an advanced player, you kind of want to give yourself an idea of what you think a horse's chances are to win the race. So if I think Max Player is truly a 15 to 1 shot and he's 32 to 1 with four minutes to post, hey, maybe I am going to put a five spot or whatever that amount is to you on Max Player on top of my bets just because the value is too great. So you do bring up a great point in following along with the tote board. Code board is where the win odds are and all the other things are kind of hidden underneath there on your uh, ADW, but definitely make a good point. And that's key to horse racing. You mentioned it being different than sporting events. You want to watch the tote board because that's where the odds are and the people you're betting against are affecting those odds. Scott really enjoyed jamming with you. Where can everybody connect with you? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter, as you mentioned in the introduction, at ScottShap34, Rob. For the Churchill Downs spring meeting and fall meeting, you can get my picks each day on there if you just want to bet on an average day. And then you can find all my work on Twinspires.com as well. And I want to hear from you. What action will you be having on the Belmont Stakes? You can hit me up on Twitter, at Rob Cressy. Make sure to use hashtag Sharp600 and be part of our community. And also make sure to tag 
at covers. And if you got any value out of this podcast or any of the ones that Scott and I have done together, what would really help us out a ton is if you went to iTunes and gave us a rating and review and just let us know what you think about the show. When you do that, we will give you a shout out on the show and show you some love back. And remember, if you want to be a sharp, don't be a square with your bankroll. Be disciplined with your money management.